you are fundamentally propped up by the way that you think. In other words, if you can change the way that you think, which you can, because that's not who you really are, then you can change what happens next. Hey, I'm Harrison. When was the last time you had a deep, meaningful conversation with somebody? If it's been a while, don't worry, you're in the right place. This podcast is designed to open your mind to new perspectives and topics in the realms of health, personal growth, and well, life. Welcome to the Let's Talk About Life podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Let's Talk About Life podcast. My name is Harrison King. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode. I'm glad you made it this far already. You've already started the uh, the first step of improving yourself today is listening to this episode. Now this is a good one, very uh, unique all right and and you're gonna love it um it was it was such a great just such a great episode i mean i say that all the time but it, it really it really was um and you know this show's all about improving your health making you feel better if you want to improve your health you're gonna want to grab, grab yourself a pair of these uh glasses i'm wearing which you probably can't see if you're listening obviously but they're the uh, natural blocks blue light blocking glasses from natro academy and they're going to help you just feel better overall, kind of fix your circadian rhythm and your sleep and all kinds of stuff. So if you want to grab some, head on over to naturalacademy.com and you can use the code Harrison10 and you're going to get 10% off when you get them. They're the Canada's best quality blue light blocking classes um, and it's worth it. It's 100% worth it. So go grab them over there. Code Harrison10. Now I sat down with Rob Temple today all the way over in the UK. I'm over here in Canada, if you don't know where I am. And I was chatting with him and he is a stage hypnotist. He's not a psychologist, a scientist, or a life coach, or even an academic. And he doesn't have a degree or anything like that. And why am I saying that? Well, he advertises that because he's hypnotized over 20,000 people around the world over his 18 plus year career and he's um uncovered the real in the field quote unquote in the field magic behind our thoughts emotions and mindset so we're going to talk all about not not just being hypnotized and hypnotism and stage stuff but just a lot of kind of psychology and things like that so it's a great episode and let's dive right into my chat with rob temple special episode we've got uh, we've gone international okay we're uh, we're doing a, a call here over uh overseas so i'm in canada and and rob here is uh over in the uk and and he's a pretty pretty neat guy we met online uh, he's a comedy hypnotist he said he's done that for about 20 years um and he said i'll keep doing it until i can't anymore so he obviously loves it and uh but the interesting thing about him is that he's not just out there entertaining he's kind of you know flipped the switch and, and is trying to take what he's learned being a hypnotist and uh, and apply it to personal growth and and how can we you know use that stuff he says if i can turn someone into elvis presley on stage how can i take that same process and the same technique and change our lives for the better uh and and applying it to personal growth so uh rob temple thanks for being here and uh, why don't you share a little bit more about yourself and then we'll get into some sure thanks for having me that was a very grand build-up <laughs> um, yeah, cool. So me, potted history of me. Well, I was, uh, as you said, I'm in the UK. And uh, when I was about 16, I started being a stage hypnotist. Now that sounds like a weird thing to just start being at 16. For sure. I came from a background. As a kid, I was this really shy, terrified, nervous, 
uh, out of place kid who never like, didn't make friends all that easily quite sort of kept myself to myself. I was the kid where if a stranger came to the door, my mum would open the door and I would like hide behind my mum's leg, terrified of everything. <laughs> that was me. And then when I was four, I was at like a nursery and they had a magician came and did a magic show like a clown. And, you know, he had a box and there was nothing in the box. And then boom, there's a rabbit in the box. And he's got a handkerchief and the handkerchief disappears from there and appears over there. It's like, well, this was the greatest thing I'd ever right. seen. <laughs> and um, I really quickly realized, like all kids like magic, but I like desperately wanted to be a magician. So my parents bought me a magic set, like a magic kit. I think everyone had one of those at some point. Yeah. And most people like play with it for an hour and then put it down. But I was hooked. Everyone who came to the house, magic trick. <laughs> and um, I realized now looking back, I didn't when I was four, but looking back, I realized that that was like a, that was like a crutch for my massive lack of social confidence. Mm. And, um, the, and instantly at the age of four, I was in this really weird place where I knew exactly what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Obviously, I didn't know about bills and tax and laws and all the stuff right. you don't know about when you're four. But I knew of everything. I wanted to be a magician, at least an entertainer, but probably a magician. So I grew up, took it very seriously. Um, when I was in my early teens, started doing magic competitions nationally and did well. And this was it. Like This is the trajectory I was on for my life. My parents were very supportive and that was all good. And I'm doing school alongside, obviously. And then uh, when I was 14, I saw a hypnotist. And that was, like, that was like that moment again when I was four, where I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Mm. And it's like a natural extension of magic. Like magicians tend to like veer off into other things like juggling or ventriloquism or other stuff. And um, so I decided I wanted to A, find out if it was real or not. And B, if it was real, learn it. Um, right. So my dad paid that hypnotist. He taught me how to do it. He used to like come to my house and uh, we would like watch videos of his shows and he'd like break them down and we'd figure it out. And then when I was 16, nearly 17, decided, right, it's time. I'm going to start doing my show. Never actually hypnotized anyone before, just sort of like learned the process. Yeah. So I found like a local bar and I said, can I come and do a show for free? And they said, yeah. So they packed out the place for free and I went and did the show and uh, it went really well. And that was it. So ever since then, I've been traveling around the world doing hypnosis. I sort of left magic as a hobby and now that's it. And along the way, I became really inspired as I was talking to people who couldn't believe that I used to be this. And I'm still actually a shy introvert person, but um, people who couldn't believe I used to be this shy, terrified kid who couldn't perform or do anything. And I decided that I would figure out how when I'm on stage, like I don't think of it as humiliating or embarrassing people. I see it as like unleashing their creativity and just letting them be truly themselves for two hours. Right. Uh, sometimes acting as other people, but like being their true, true uh, exaggeration of their personality. I was like, wow, if our minds can do that, like if we can just plant a seed of a thought in our heads and make amazing things happen, that would be great. So I started exploring it about 10 years ago, started exploring the ideas mm -hmm. of like, how does this stuff actually work in our lives? That's super neat. That's, it was really neat. And what have you, I, while we're here, why, what have you learned from that? Like you said, you started about 10 years ago getting into this and how have you applied that either to your own life or people around you, or have you gone outside of, you know, stage hypnosis and, and do you have any kind of other business things or just like you're helping people or, or that kind of stuff? Or, um, what else has come from that exploration? It started from reverse engineering what I'd accidentally done from being a kid. So there's a bit of the story I missed out, which is when I was nine, I had the opportunity to go and do what you might deem as the first magic show, like the first time there was a seated audience ready to watch. And it was a troop of girl guides who were, who were all about nine as well. So I'm nine, they're about nine, there's like 30 of them 
and, uh, and I'm ready to go and do this show. So I went along and it was organized by a friend of my stepmom and I had all the tricks set up on a little table and I'm all ready to go. This is the first time I've ever had an audience of anything to do the show to other than like two people at a time. And, um, I was ready and I walked out onto the little platform and I picked up the first thing and I'm ready to go. And I just froze stiff, like couldn't move, couldn't talk, couldn't, yeah. like couldn't do anything. I still remember it like it was yesterday. And, um, after about a minute of like total awkwardness, my stepmom stepped in and she did all of the talking and the script and everything. And I literally just like silently demonstrated the tricks in the most awkward half an hour's <laughs> magic show you've ever seen. And uh, afterwards, went out, got in the car, nine years old and just burst into tears. And I was like, I just can't, the thing I've just spent five years of my life thinking I'm going to do forever, I now can't do. Like that right. was my philosophy. Yeah. And that was, um, that was a horrifying realization for a nine-year-old. And somehow, and I definitely didn't, it definitely wasn't conscious, but somehow between the age of nine and 16, like totally turned that around to Hmm. be a thing where now I'm more comfortable on stage in front of like a thousand people. And I would be in front of two or three people at a cocktail reception or whatever, which is interesting. So I think the first thing that's happened is I've totally now reverse engineered how I got from there to here. Right. Or from there to there. And then from there to here. Right. And that's interesting. But then apart from that, I've started to like, expand and become quite selfish in that like I very much live my life on my terms. So I have a couple of other businesses as well. I have a marketing consultancy that I also co-own and uh, I have uh, Success Unlocked, which is my podcast for personal development. And of course I do my show uh, and I'm sort of looking at starting something else as well. So I'm very much like using the stuff that says you can do anything if, if you just like have the confidence to go after it and the courage right. to go after it. Yeah. Um, for sure. For sure. Uh, and the one thing I, I read that you had shared there that I thought was really interesting is, is you know, using, um, just starting to change our, like, conscious thoughts, right? Because when, you, when, you're, when you're hypnotized, you're thinking a little differently than every day, obviously. Right. Um, and what have you, have you dived into that uh, any at all? And, and have you applied it to your life? Or is there anything you could talk about to that sense? Or even how, you know, hypnotism works and your end um, and, and how we could apply similar concepts, like you're saying, to unlock our our life, like you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, there's a really interesting dilemma with our thoughts. And that is that our thoughts sort of happen to us and around us and for us, they're not us. So the thoughts that you think in your mind, in your conscious mind, are not you, they're not what you actually believe, they're not necessarily what you really think, they are just happening to you. A little bit like if I drive to my best friend's house, my best friend lives on the other side of a river. So to get to his house, I have to drive through the tunnel, through a tunnel. And for like two miles, I'm in a tunnel under the river, but I don't live in a tunnel, I'm just passing through it temporarily on the way to his house. Right. And your thoughts are kind of exactly the same thing. If you feel like you're happy or sad or confident or not, or angry or not angry, whatever the opposite of angry is, uh, calm. Like that, that's just a state of mind that you're in at that particular moment in time and may not be entirely true if it was analyzed. Like it's just, it's happening to you and, and around you. Right. However, on the flip of that, and this is where we end up in this weird, weird place, this weird contradiction is you are fundamentally propped up by the way that you think. In other words, if you can change the way that you think, which you can, because that's not who you really are, then you can change what happens next. So once you get your head around that, that's a little bit complicated to explain, but once you get your head around that idea and you realize that your thoughts are completely transient, like nobody's just happy all the time or sad all the time or confident all the time or not all the time. We all have all of this stuff. And therefore, because that's constantly in flux, we can do something about it. 
So as a hypnotist, I focus on changing stuff that goes on in your unconscious mind because that's basically what fuels everything. Like your so just in like to really simplify it down, your unconscious mind is the actual thoughts. It's picking up millions of bits of information every day. It's putting them together. The problem is your unconscious mind is effectively like trying to put together a jigsaw puzzle when somebody stood at one side, constantly throwing new pieces in. And you've got to like go, oh, uh, but how does that fit into the puzzle? And where does that go? And where does that go? Because everything's constantly stimulus. Right now, you're listening to this. That's giving you stuff to think about. When you get out of a car, you see something, you need to make sure you don't get hit by a car. There's loads of stuff going on around you. That's all stimulus. So constantly, like more than we can possibly comprehend, we're taking in millions of new jigsaw puzzles that your unconscious mind is trying to put together. The problem is it's limited in that it can only put them together in a way that makes sense to you at that moment, may not have made sense to you that way yesterday, and it might not make sense to you that way tomorrow, but at that moment in time, makes sense to you based on your current frame of reference and the Mm -hmm. things you know and the stuff that you inherently believe and accept. So then what happens is that jigsaw puzzle, those thoughts, when they're sort of completed-ish, get passed onto your conscious mind, the voice in your head. So when you go to the shop and think, oh, I must get some more potatoes, that's your conscious mind, the voice you think of as you. And your conscious mind just takes it, and that now that thought is just passing through for a brief moment while you're having the thought, and then it's off again. But your conscious mind is like the engine room, constantly whirring away in the background. So what we need to be able to do effectively is to change the thoughts and the things that are going on inside the conscious mind, which is what happens on stage. So when somebody becomes Elvis Presley on stage or Madonna or something, there is absolutely no doubt in their mind that they are that person. There's no question. They are 100% Elvis Presley. So uh, as we can do that, we can change anything you want in your mind. Now, obviously, nobody wants to be Elvis for the rest of their lives. But if you wanted to like reprogram it for confidence or happiness or belief or, uh, you know, calm or whatever, then you can definitely do it. It's just about being able to bypass that bit. So for me, as a really not confident person growing up who didn't believe in myself, didn't think I could do it, didn't think anyone would want to, like, we constantly have those nagging beliefs, I think, generally, that says, I can't do this and I can't do that. I've more or less been able to, like, reverse a lot of that. Now, sure, Mm -hmm. it still happens. It's not impossible to get rid of, but you can effectively put up a defense. So I've managed to put up a defense that stops that from happening now. So when they happen, they very much pass through and then just move on again. I don't really think about them. Um, And so I think what you want to do is to figure out, okay, great, if I could change the stuff about me. Like when I look at the people I really aspire to be like, like great business people or fantastic people who I work with or people in my family who I really respect, I think if I could take that bit of their personality and their, their, the way they think about things like, oh, they're so positive. I wish I could be like that. Oh, they're so happy. I wish I could be like that. That person's so confident. I wish I could be like that. You can effectively design how you want to feel and just install that like a software program. I want to have Adobe Photoshop on my computer. You just install it. Right. Um, you can do the same process with with the brain. So I've spent a lot of time focused on how to do that. Yeah. And what's the best way to start to go about that? Um, if, if there's any, I don't know, it's obviously a long, long process, right? And you've, you've learned a lot about it, but for somebody, you know, that's listening or, or uh, just getting into this stuff, what's a way you can start to install those bits of, you know, the people, the person you want to be, um, what's the best way to go about it? The first thing I think is to realize that, when a thought happens in your brain, the first thing you need to do is to question it and like look at it from an outside perspective. Like if some like horrible, greasy, dirty salesman came up to you in the street and like trying to sell you something, you would be so cynical and you would question everything that person says. Right. And you would be like, well, prove it. 
And, but how do I know they're not going to fall out of the windows? And both tell me more about that. And will they, like, and you'd be really cynical about it. Uh, and you need to do the same thing whenever you have a negative thought. So that requires two things. The first thing is you need to have, you need to be actively watching out for it. So just like you'd be actively watching out if you were having a conversation with somebody else and you were like trying to catch them out, you'd be actively watching out for them saying something. Or if you're having an argument with somebody, you're actively watching for them to say something where you can go, ah, but then, and then you can, when then you can win the argument. You basically need to look for that in your own brain and think about it like you would analyze something that somebody else was saying. And that's not hard to do. That's the first thing. That's easy to do as long as you tell yourself, I'm going to do it. I'm going to watch out for this really good trick is just when you tell the people around you just to tell you when you're doing it. So like tell people around you to say, like, if I, if I just say something that's really negative or I say something that is this, just tell me about it. Just so I'm consciously aware of it, just to like, right. just to trigger that. Uh, when you're watching out for it and you've got your little team of people who are watching out for it as well. Uh, the minute that it happens, the next thing to do is literally to stop and say, Hmm, but like, wh where, have I, where have I got that from and how accurate is it? And be as, like I said, be as cynical of your own thoughts as you would be of something that somebody else said to you. So like if somebody says that, uh, sorry, if you suddenly have a, a thought that, well, I can't do that because normally two things happen. Normally, we're not very good at completing that sentence. So normally we'll just say, oh, well, I can't do that because, uh, and, and that fades out. Right. But if you were having an argument with somebody, you would never accept that. You'd ne they'd never say, well, no, that's not true. Be well, you, you would say, well, tell me why. Why is that not true? Yeah, yeah. You never let them get away with that side of the argument. So the next thing is to say, well, what's the evidence upon which I'm backing this argument? Hmm. And you'll very quickly start to realize that most of the time you don't have one. You don't have a because. Well, I'm not good. I can't, but that probably won't work because. Well, what could you possibly come up with? Well, because the last time I tried to do something, it didn't work. Okay, but like most of the time when you try stuff, it does work. Most of the time when you get out of bed in the morning, you don't fall over. When you put your trousers on, you don't fall over. When you make breakfast, you don't set the house on fire. Like you spend a lot more of your time doing things that appear to be mundane, but they go very well. But we so hone in on the stuff that seems to be catastrophically bad. Right. So I think the first thing is to look for... look. look consciously force yourself because all of this begins consciously and it becomes an unconscious thing through repetition and learning. So there's, when you learn anything, there's the four stages of competence and say, I wish I'd come up with this, but I didn't. The idea that when you first, when you first start anything, you are unconsciously incompetent. Like as a kid, you can't drive a car, but you also don't know that you can't drive a car. And then you become consciously incompetent where you can't do it, but you're aware of the fact you can't do it. Then you become, then you learn and you become consciously competent, which means I know I can do it, but I have to sort of focus on it. And then eventually you become unconsciously competent, which is I can do it and I can drive and change gear and all the rest of it without even thinking about it. And effectively what happens is you, that you go through those stages with this belief training. So you effectively start by saying, okay, great. Um, I, I, I know I am, I know I probably can do it and it probably will work, right? Because I've got loads of evidence of stuff that I do in my life that, that's fine. Even though I keep telling myself I haven't, I actually, when I look at it objectively, like a detective, I can see there's loads of stuff that's good and therefore it's probably going to be okay. There's a higher chance. There's a higher possibility of it going well than badly. Right. And now what that means is you can start to train that belief. There's a thing I do on stage. And if you see any hypnotist, there's a thing called suggestion and repetition. The suggestion is the thing. So when you wake up, you will believe you are Elvis Presley. And then repetition of that, it's just, it'll, they'll say it two or three times and they'll really like, they'll touch that person on the shoulder. So they know they're absolutely talking about them and oh, not with COVID, but like they would touch that person on the shoulder and like absolutely like know that they're talking to them. 
Uh, and that repetition starts to sink in. Like if you learn anything, if you hear a lie often enough, so if you tell a lie often enough, you'll begin to believe it yourself. Right. Uh, and the same, the same thing starts to happen. So the first thing is really to watch out for it. Like watch out for those negative thoughts that go against the thing that you actually want to believe and that you want to feel. And then start to look for evidence that suggests actually that thing is probably not the case. And that's really easy to find when you look for it. It's really hard to find evidence that suggests you are going to fail or you aren't good enough or the negative belief. Um, and then go ahead and, and continue to consciously do it. And eventually, it takes a bit of time, but eventually you'll start to reprogram that the way that that brain works, where actually it's more effort to come up with the negative thing. Mm-hmm than it was to just be positive about it in the first place. Does that make sense? For sure. Yeah. It's very similar to, it's basically the same thing as, you know, like if you want to be, uh, I guess it's exact, exact same as what you're saying. You want to be a certain way, uh, live almost like you're living in the future, like be that person. And then you will, you, you might be faking it, but you will soon, you know, train yourself to be that person. It's a hundred percent the same thing. And, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, it's just that you have a lot more knowledge on why it works because uh, you do it, you know, uh, on a regular there, basis. There is a, and there is a thing because people will say, oh, but like, I can't just do it because that requires me to be that way. Like I can't, loads of people struggle with that as a concept because right. they go, well, I, how can I pretend to be confident when I'm not? And how could like, if you're frightened of a spider and then I say, well, the way to get over that is to hold a spider. Like that's, that's all right. It's lovely to say, but like, give me a spider and I'm going to freak out and run away. Right. Uh, so, so I think just facing the fear or, or just being the person is hard. There is a, there is a thing though. And that is, there's a logical process to get there. And I think if I revert, again, reverse engineer, my, my reverse engineer what happened from me from nine to 16 is that um, when I realized I, for the first time at nine, I realized I can't go out on stage in front of uh, a room full of 30 people and do a little show. So I, I, what I did, and this was definitely not intentional, but it, it worked, was to say, okay, great. Well, what's the, like, what's the smallest possible version of that? Well, I suppose it would be get a, get a pack of cards and do one trick for one person who I know really well, like my mom or my dad. Right. right okay, great. Well, I can definitely do that because I've been doing that since I was four. Right. So I was like, okay, good, fine. So, and this works in everything. If you're not a magician, that's fine. Apply it to job interviews, dating, whatever. Um, and then basically you, you only need to take a tiny step outside of your comfort zone to say, okay, great. Well, what's the next thing? So maybe it's show a trick to two people I know really well. Okay, great. Now what's the next step? Well, that's probably show a magic trick to somebody who you don't know as well, like the woman that your mum works with, but you've probably met twice. Okay, great. I can do that. The next thing is uh, my uncle says, oh, this is my friend, Derek. Show Derek a trick and you show Derek a trick. And then before long, you've got three or four people around you. And then that becomes a slightly bigger group. Right. But the way that I sort of talk about it is if you imagine that you've got a ladder, right? A really rickety old wooden ladder and it's propped up against a wall and it's got 10 rungs on the ladder and you're frightened of heights. If you wanted to get from the bottom to the top, that's really hard. Now, everyone on earth, however scared of heights you are, you could probably stand on the bottom rung, like one foot off the ground. You could probably do that, right? Uh, and when, you, when you're on that bottom rung, eventually your brain starts to like normalize that. You might as well be on the ground. Like, this is perfectly fine. I'm happy here. Right. But then to get to the second rung up the ladder, the second step forward, you need to have, I mean, in that case, you need to have just the courage to do it. Just a little bit of courage, not much. It's only one extra rung up the ladder. And you climb up that next rung. Now, eventually your brain normalizes that and that becomes like being on the ground. 
that's like that's this is like second nature so now to get to the third rung you don't need more confidence you just need the same bit that got you from the second rung to the third rung you're just gonna like you're just starting from one rung higher up the ladder yeah and before long you can climb all the way up the ladder you overcome that fear you you know achieve that goal you accomplish that thing just by taking one little step forward at a time and i think a lot of people are so focused on like the confidence that you need so they say, well, let's just pretend to be confident. That's really hard to do. But I think if you can find a place to exercise a small amount of confidence that you didn't know you had, and then a, sm- a little bit more and a little bit more, and it happens quicker than you would expect, then that works really well. Yeah, for sure. It's the same as, you know, just expanding your comfort zone. The more you do one thing where right, that becomes more comfortable, you push yourself slightly, it's going to become more, more comfortable. Uh, and that's obviously how you would, you would say you attribute, you know, that's how you got to where you are, are today for sure. Totally. And still doing it, you know, like there's still loads of stuff where I'm like, God, I don't know if I could do that. Um, and it's just a case of going, well, I probably can because mm-hmm. look at where I was and look at where I am now. Right. I think, um, I think if we, <laughs> we look at, if we look at humans, we're nothing if not tenacious, like the, the way we've evolved. So I think like if we just all continue to constantly say, okay, great. Well, how can I, ev- how can I personally evolve? Um, then, uh, then there's, there's, there's so much potential. Yeah. Uh, it's a little bit off topic, but because we got you here, um, it's super interesting to me how, um, I've actually got a family member who is a, uh, hypnotherapist. So I know it's, it's kind of hypnosis, obviously applying it to these things a little more. So you're coming from a little bit of a different realm. Uh, and I'd be interested just to get you to talk a little bit about dealing with, um, p- different people on stage and, and if, if there's different techniques you have to use for different people to, to get them into this state of mind and would could you apply that because everybody is different or is it kind of just a broad, like this will work for anybody. It doesn't really matter. What have you found over the years? So some people are more naturally suggestible than others. So everybody can be hypnotized despite the myth. The problem is a lot of people stop themselves. I think when I get people on stage, one of the biggest things that people don't realize is that I actually just, I don't have any magic power. Like I'm just giving people a framework to follow. They really hypnotize themselves. And some people are better at that than others. Like some people are naturally more suggestible. They're able to relax down into that state more than others. And so for sure, this is going to be everything I talk about is going to be easier for some people to do than others because some people just literally, because what we're talking about here is is programming a suggestion into the mind. Right. And some people's brains just pick that up more naturally than others. Yeah. So for sure, some people are going to find it easier than others. The techniques that I use on stage are more or less the same for everybody. But at the same time, you have to realize what you're, what, what, effectively, it's a bit like in real life, you have to understand what your strengths and weaknesses really are, like not in the con- not in the structure of, well, I'm terrible, and nobody loves me, and I'm ugly, and nobody likes me, and this is never going to work. But like, everyone has genuine strengths and weaknesses. And the quicker you embrace the strengths and the weaknesses you've got, like there's loads of stuff that I'm rubbish at, rubbish at sports, uh, rubbish at anything fitness related, um, not a great cook, like loads of stuff I'm not very good at. Right. That's absolutely okay. Cause I don't, I also don't want to be or need to be. So I'm perfectly happy being rubbish at those things. That, that's another thing to realize. So the, the quicker you realize that what your sort of strengths and weaknesses are on stage, I tap into like what people's strengths and weaknesses are from a position of how suggestible or not they are. Mm. And therefore I have to be able to say, okay, great. Well, that person I'm going to stand next to and I'm going to talk louder to because I need them to pay attention to me more. Whereas that person's going to pick up, that person's picking up everything that goes past them. So I think what you need to do is as you start to do this, if this is something that you find inherently difficult, like if, if, if you're constantly, if your subconscious mind is constantly coming back around to the negative, then you are just going to have to work harder at this. And that's worth bearing in mind. If you know somebody else who does it and they find this stuff a doddle, 
that doesn't mean that you can't do it or that it doesn't work for you. It does mean you're just going to have to try a little bit harder for that reason. For sure. What makes people more suggestible, less suggestible? Is there like personality traits or, or certain things, you know, going on in people's lives or whatever, or is it just like a, you, you, you are, you aren't that kind of thing, or is there specific reasons? So it partly comes down to our programming. So um, if you ask any stage hypnotist, the easiest people in the world to hypnotize, they're normally uh, drama students because they're used to like stepping into other characters anyway. They're normally people, but then on the flip of that, they're people who are in like the fire service, the police department, the paramedics, because they're so used to, the reason is because they've been trained uh, and the military too. They've been trained to follow commands uh, and so basically they're naturally quite suggestible because every single day of their lives, hmm. they're literally having it drilled into them. Do this, do this, clean your shoes better. Like all of the stuff that goes along with that life. Right. So it's a lot of it is to do with your upbringing and the way that you were trained. I think we live in a world now where like people don't, uh, people don't have the same like respect for authority now that they did probably a hundred years ago. And if you think about, if you listen to like, parents or grandparents or great grandparents who went to school a long time ago, they would say, I would never dared have answered back to my teacher because you'd have been smacked or caned or something. Whereas now, like kids answer back to teachers all the time, there isn't the same level of respect for authority that right. used to exist. Uh, and part of that has demonstrated that actually, as generations have moved on, uh, there's there's a definite shift when you like have older people they are more responsive to hypnotic suggestion than that than people who are of sort of a, a later generation if that makes sense mm. i mean kids kids are the most naturally suggestible things anyway unfortunately most of who we are is programmed because of stuff that we learned absorbed or believed or were told or happened around us when we were kids right that makes up most of what we are and then ever since then, we just look for evidence that proves everything that we, that we picked up as a kid. Right. However, once you get out of childhood, um, people nowadays are less suggestible in, uh, and harder to pick up suggestion than we were years ago because we've lost a lot of trust and respect for authority generally as a, as a society. So I've noticed that trend. Yeah. Um, and I was going to ask about people that are, um, I don't know if there's a relation, that's why I wanted to inquire, you know, people that are really working on kind of inner inner talk, self-work, meditation, stuff like that. Does that make you more suggestible to that? Or is it, is it the opposite? I'm, I'm curious if you've found anything along that, the lines of that. Yeah, a lot of the time there is a real link. A lot of the time people who are focused on their thoughts anyway are able to get into a hypnotic state faster. And there's a very fine line between, like there's a very fine line between uh, hypnosis and not. Because like you go into, into and out of hypnosis every day anyway. Like when you wake up in the morning, you're not quite awake, you're not quite asleep. You're, you go through a state that's very similar to hypnosis. Same on a nighttime when you go to sleep uh, and you're like drifting off, you go through a state right. that's very similar to hypnosis. Uh, and like if you're driving, the, 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 the state we think of as auto pilot like if you're driving down the highway and you realize that you've missed mcdonald's because you were in your own little world right that state is hypnosis that's all it is it's just amplified um and so because we all go in and out of that state every day anyway the people who who will find this the easiest are the ones who naturally daydream the ones who naturally drift off the not the ones who naturally like zone out of stuff uh, and so part of that comes along with things like meditation. Like a lot of the time I have a, this relaxation program that I give away. And one of the things that I talk about with it is it's technically used as hypnosis, but I don't say that anymore just because some people are frightened of hypnosis. So I just say that it's like, it's a bit like hypnosis. It's meditative. It's got just relaxation in it. Um, but effectively it's very much all the same thing. 
And now if you're to, because obviously you can put yourself into a state of hypnosis the way you're speaking, right? Um, if you're in that, that state, you're still, are you able to, you know, if you're suggestible in that state, give yourself things that you want to, you know, improve in that state. Can you do that if you're in that state and it's not somebody else telling you, can you tell yourself, uh, is that possible? And how's that work? Totally. I mean, a lot of it is about, a lot of it is about going into it with the thought that you want to come out of it with. So like, if you are, if you spend some time being focused on the idea of happiness or confidence or, or, you know, getting rid of your anger or whatever it is, if you focus on that for a little while and think about what that would look like, and then go into a state of hypnosis, either using a CD or whatever, uh, or following some process, you reading a book, you will come out of it you can come out of it with that. So like, you're not sat there saying, right, when I wake up, I will be happy. But like, you go into it with that thought. And that's, that's what expands. It's like planting the seed and then, and then the hypnosis like waters it. The one thing I do remember, and I don't know if it's related to anything, but I'm curious about the red hair. Is there a reason? Is it a, is it a, is it a stage thing? It's just, I caught my eye obviously right away. And, uh, and I'm curious because for somebody who said they weren't confident a long time ago, you got to have quite a bit of confidence to pull off the red hair and you're doing it. So I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if there's a story behind that. There is, there is. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? There's that old, there's that old saying that says, if you want to hide, like, if you're, if you, if, if something goes wrong, then like paint it red. Um, I, think, <laughs> I, um, I've always had this theory that one of the things I think everybody needs to survive when they've got a difficulty of some description. So mine was lacking confidence and self-belief and all of that stuff is, is some sort of crutch or something like a microphone or uh, like lots of comedians like hide behind a, mic, a handheld mic as opposed to a headset. Cause like they wouldn't know what to do if they didn't have a handheld microphone and things. Right. So I think it's perfectly okay to get through with some sort of like thing that makes you feel comfortable. Um, and so when I was, um, when I was 18, I moved out of my parents' house and I moved in with my girlfriend at the time and our friend into a flat, um, an apartment. And we, one day, my girlfriend and I split up. And about two weeks later, I had this idea to just dye my hair bright red for absolutely no reason at all. It was totally random. I said, I'm just going to do it. I'll probably last, you know, however long it lasts and then it will wash out over a few weeks and then that'll be there. So me and my mate walked into town. We lived like a mile from the center of the town, walked into town, went to the first hair salon that I saw. There was nobody in it. Like it was empty. Didn't need an appointment. That should have been a horrendous warning sign. But yeah. Hi, I'd like to do my hair bright red, please. And they were like, okay, it's going to take ages and we'll have to like use bleach and all this other stuff, which turned out not to be true, but they did. So I went in, sat down and, uh, and that was it. Came out with red hair and I've never, never got rid of it. Just kept it ever since. Wow. And there is, there is an argument, I suppose. Two things have happened. One is whenever I do a show, people come up to me and say, oh, I saw a hypnotist once and I was so great. Who was it? And they say, oh, I don't know. He was bald and had a mustache. And I'm like, oh, it doesn't really narrow it down. Right. Um, with me, there's only one hypnotist with bright red hair. Like every, every, if you don't remember my name, you know who I am. Um, so right. that's, that's really helpful. Uh, but it's just become a bit of a trademark thing uh, that, that hasn't gone away. And you know what? I think it is, uh, it's partly an outer expression of... Um, the fact that I've gone on this journey from being somebody who once wanted to just hide away. Like, well, I wanted to perform, but I forced myself to like hide away, mm -hmm. like hide behind my mum's leg as a four-year-old uh, to somebody who now, I, like I have no issue with the fact that everywhere I go, people look at me and everywhere I go, people comment on it. Of course. Good and bad. Yeah. And that's okay. That's perfectly fine. Yeah, I was gonna, so yeah, I think it's I was, partly that. I was going to say, is it like uh, an outward expression of what you're saying, you know, be, push yourself, be uncomfortable with the thing. And it's just a, it's, it's, that what you're working on inside, you know, if, if the hair 
is bright red. It's attracting people to talk to you, which maybe you didn't want at one point. It's pushing you to, you know, to, to, to do it. And, and as somebody that for the average person, that's a pretty crazy thing. If you just say, go dye your hair right. red, they'd be like, no. Right. And I guess I'd like you to speak to, should, should, should somebody do something? It doesn't have to be red hair, but just like something crazy kind of, or that's really outside. We're talking about little increments, very important, but I think sometimes it's important to just, you know, take that leap and do something and, and you gain all those. Instead of going up one rung in the ladder, you go up the whole thing at once. What do you, uh, could you speak to that? Do you, do you suggest it? Have you done it any other aspects of your life or? For sure. I mean, I think that people should definitely take an opportunity to do something that when they're 90, they'll tell their grandkids, you'll never believe if it's, <laughs> if it's suitable to tell, if it's suitable to tell your grandkids. Like, I think everybody should have an experience or two where they can say, look, I just did this thing. Like I'll have no hair left by then. And then I'll be able to say it once when I had hair, look at this picture and, uh, and then they'll believe it. Uh, so I think, yeah, everybody should have a thing where they said that this is, this is wild and crazy. And I think uh, like when I was um, 16, I was still very shy. Like I'd got over my ability, my inability to perform for an audience, but I was still very shy. And I went to Greece. I basically got an opportunity to go to Greece for nine months to do like summer seasons abroad. Um, so basically all the British tourists would go to Greece and they'd get really drunk and then they'd need entertainment. And so I was, um, I was doing that. So I was doing like between six and 11 shows a week for wow. nine months of the year. And yeah, and, and like the idea of moving away to a different country, I'd barely, like we didn't really go on foreign holidays a lot when I was a kid. We very rarely went abroad. Uh, and if we did, we'd normally like drive. I didn't like, I wasn't that keen on flying at the time. Love it now, but wasn't that keen on flying at the time. So like that was a huge jump to say, right, that's it. I'm going to pack my bag, a small amount of stuff you can get in a case on a plane. And I'm going to go away for nine months. I mean, I, I had the safety blanket. I could come back at any point. I could just give up. Right. But uh, that was it. And I did it every year till I was 21. Um, and again, the growth that came out of that for me as a person was huge. So I think that's probably the other time in my life where I've gone, okay, let's just do this. What sounds crazy. Yeah. And it always pays off. Right. Um, now we have you on here because you reached out about, uh, you know, we could, I want to talk to you and also you've got a podcast. So, uh, what we got you on here, why don't you talk a little bit about that and, uh, and what you're up to where people can find you, all that kind of stuff. Cause, uh, cause you're here. So. Yeah, cool, man. So all of this came from me wanting to be able to help other people figure out, like do what I've sort of figured out over the last few years. So I started a podcast called Success Unlocked. It's basically, it sounds very pompous. It's basically just helping people figure out what's their definition of success and then how do they get it? And how do you make those incremental steps forward every day? So really interesting conversations uh, like this with uh, a guest at one week and then it's me the next week and then a guest the next week, then it's me the next week and then a guest and so on and so forth. Um, So if people want to tune in, uh, you can get it on all the podcast players just search for success unlocked or if you go to successunlocked.com you can find it um also i've got like a little pack of free resources if you want to download them you can go to successunlocked.com forward slash harrison and basically it's just there's some stuff on there so there's some worksheets and activities and exercises to help you kickstart that brain training that mind and thought training that we've talked about in uh, like six or seven different areas of your life that's wonderful. Yeah. And, uh, and how about yourself? If anybody wants to, uh, <laughs> they're around and they want a, uh, hypnosis, a hypnotist, uh, what's your, what's your personal, um, when we're allowed to perform again, right. <laughs> recording this in pandemic times, um, you can check me out. If you go to, I, I use my Sunday name on stage. It's Robert, Robert Temple hypnotist.com or, uh, you can find me on Instagram, Robert Temple hypnotist. There you go. Perfect. Um, and I'll put all that stuff in the show notes and everything. Um, 
that's awesome, man. You got a lot of, you got a lot of knowledge and great experience. Um, appreciate you being on here. Thanks for having me, dude. Hey everybody. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I hope you got a lot out of it. I mean, what a guy, great hair, obviously. <laughs> and, uh, he just had so much great things, so many great things to share about his perspectives and, and, and just our psychology and how we work and what we need to do to kind of achieve what we want. So I hope you liked that. Hope you grabbed some good information from this episode. If you want more from Rob, um, you can head on over to his website, which is successunlocked.com. And uh, special, uh, special thing, if you're a listener of this show, you can head on over to successunlocked.com forward slash Harrison. And there's a free self-improvement resource pack he's got. So thanks, Rob. That's uh, successunlocked.com forward slash Harrison. And the podcast, as you probably guessed, and we talked about is called Success Unlocked. 100% want to check that out. It is amazing. If you like this podcast, you're guaranteed to like that one. Have an incredible day. We'll chat with you next time. And remember to keep loving life. For more information about this episode or the show itself, head on over to HarrisonKingOfficial.com. There you'll be able to find the show notes, transcriptions, and videos for every episode. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Let's Talk About Life Pod. Now get out there and have a deep, meaningful conversation in your own life. We'll chat with you next time.